Tyler Stallworth. Touchdown for the Steelers. What a catch. Over the wrong shoulder. He had to take that over the wrong shoulder. That's one of the great catches you'll ever see. 73 yards. Oh. Underneath to Roger Craig. It'll be sound. Roger Craig coming from the right side, crossing the middle, all alone. Touchdown 49ers from 16 yards out on third and 10. Fantastic. You know, they talk about Marino having a great arm, and I'll tell you, nobody could have thrown that ball any harder and on target than Montana did that time. Well, he had plenty of zip, and I'll tell you, the run that he made on third down was the one that set. Minus three. With Dave Damashek. Yes, a holy day in Football City, San Francisco, and Pittsburgh, PA. Who will February 13th, 2022, serve for all of time as a magic day? We'll find out in short order. Welcome to Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel. Make sure you bet along with us, fanduel.com slash minus three, the word minus, the number three, and follow all the fun on social media at minus three pod. Play against us with it. The NFL Pick'em Playoffs are underway here. ExtraPoints.com slash arcade is how you play against Cousin Sal and the rest of the gang at the Extra Points Network. And now let's get into it. What happened in the wild card weekend? What's going to happen in the divisional round? I don't know. I don't know what to expect here, Eddie Spaghetti over there behind the glass. I know you're feeling good after the blue shirts, as I foretold, would vanquish uh, the visiting Leafs. I don't know how Kevin Hench is going to feel. Not after what the Patriots did. The Celtics got whipped on Wednesday night by Charlotte. I don't know if his Red Sox are going to have a single uh, pitch thrown off their mound. I guess he's got the Bruins still. Here he is, everybody. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Oh, Sheck, I'm troubled. I'm troubled. You know, um, what we do here is we, you know, people are listening to this in their car on the way to work or in the car on the way home from work because they're trying to earn a little bit extra dough that they can wager on these games at FanDuel. And, and we we tell them what to do and we give them, we give them our reasons and, and against the backdrop of knowing ahead of time that the officiating is going to be fucking horrible. Like we know now, we know now on Thursday as that's we where we're going. That's where we're going right out of the listen. gate. Hey, buckle up, buddy. I got a lot of thoughts. And, uh, you know, the, it's like the country's on fire. Democracy's on fire. The globe's on fire. And people are bummed that the Biden, uh, the Biden presser went a little long. Hey, man, can you shorten it? You want it in the form of a TikTok? He's a hundred fucking years old. He might, it might take a while and so, speaking of crises, so Mac Jones isn't on fire though. You didn't so work that one man. in. He's better than the fucking officials. I will tell you right now. Even the Celtics are better than the NFL officials. Um, so we so need to do our power rankings yeah. every week. We should do the bottom five in the sports power rankings every week. Officials, what we're asking people to do. We're saying take your hard-earned money and wager it. On these games, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Except for this part, this little wrinkle that we know ahead of time, the the refs will be horrendous. It is it is an immutable 
ineluctable, inevitable fact, these guys will fucking suck. And so if we prayed to God, if we said, God, please make the refs not suck, he would laugh in our faces because he's go, there's nothing. I obviously, I don't want them to suck that bad. There's nothing I can do about that. So our prayer has to shift to God, please allow that the inevitable, terrible officiating won't affect the outcome. That's the mm. best case scenario. The officiating will be terrible, but please don't let it affect the, li- the, the line, the spread, the outcome, the money line. That Let the people who wagered correctly get their fucking money despite mm. the terrible officiating. So as we head into this weekend, we look back. We go, how did we do? How did we do? In the, in the, did the terrible officiating change the outcome? Because it's going to be terrible. So we look and at it. Give us the oh, answer. Which right, game right. did it actually change? Well, we look at Bengals Raiders. Oh, come on. You're not going to complain about the whistle, are you? No, no. Now, so so I'm saying Bengals Raiders. I don't know why the guy blows his whistle with the ball three quarters of the way to, to the receiver. Seems we like haven't heard the time. explanation of what was it that made you blow the whistle Two seconds after you thought Joe Burrow stepped out of bounds. Why didn't you blow it instantaneously? Hey, Joe Burrow's out of bounds, everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, I should blow a whistle for that before right. the ball arrives at Tyler Moore. Boop, you don't have to alert us. <laughs> yes, you don't have to... T- it's, that only applies if he has the ball, jackass. So then everyone's like, uh, what just happened? Now, you know, people are like, hey, man, the, the, the player stopped. It's like, yeah, the DB who was whipped stopped because he was doing that thing where it's like, maybe I can make him think that's not my guy. He wasn't going to get there. Obviously, letter of the law, they fucked up. No surprise there. Spirit of the law, touchdown stood as it should have. Uh, Tariko and Drew Brees are like, can we just not talk about this for 15 minutes? Like, what <laughs> is anyone going to mention? Is anyone going to talk about this? Like, you you can't pretend that didn't just happen. So, Huge fuck up by the officials. No, the, the proper outcome happened. So again, our prayers are answered. We know you're going to be terrible, but you didn't fuck up the outcome of that play. That was the correct result. Raiders driving to tie to force overtime. Khalid Kareem grazes Derek Carr. I mean, grazes, right? You watching in live speed and you're like, That flag cannot be for roughing the passer. That was a graze. That was a graze. Derek Carr, and I know your your dear family friends with the family, (laughs) Derek Carr, he lies. That is a lie. When you snap your head back, when you snap your head back and point to your helmet, when you've been grazed with no force whatsoever, you're lying. You're lying. You're cheating. You're cheating to try. Now, why are you cheating? Why is Derek Carr cheating in overtime? Because he's learned, like everyone else, that these morons suck at their job. And all I have to do is snap my head and point to my helmet, even though I was barely grazed. There's a 50-50 shot. This fucking guy who's terrible at his job will throw a flag. Sure enough, Sure enough, roughing the passer. Okay, well, we knew they'd suck, and they they never disappoint. They always suck. 15-yard penalty, Raiders in, in great shape. Blessedly again, thank you, Lord. I mean, I had the Raiders, so obviously I was I was rooting for injustice, but 
they spike it on first for no reason, and then the three incompletes, and and the Bengals. People have not talked enough about that first down spike. That was that, a that was a bad decision. You know what that was? Karma that? for ah. cheating, for lying and cheating. And I don't know. I mean, know oh, he's a man of faith. I don't know if his faith calls for any kind of confession, but talk talk to your clergy about trying to cheat with snapping your head back and and pointing to your helmet. Here's where I'm going to convince you that he hit me. (laughs) Okay. I'll throw my flag. Anyway. So we made it. I get that one right. And I feel like, uh Oh, here comes the postseason heater from Damashek. And then the events of Western New York. I'm on, I'm on one. You're one to know. So then we go to the night game. Diedrich Wise is tackled by the left tackle. So he he is going to sack Josh Allen, and every lineman has this thing where it's like, you know what? Better to just take a 10-yard penalty, not lose a down, and not get my quarterback hit. I got whipped. I'm going to tackle him from behind, and we'll just go from there. Nope, no, no call. No call at all. You know, 25-yard gain to Emmanuel Sanders. And again, Charles Davis, like, you know, Romo, Collinsworth, they can actually see the play and go, uh, I know where I know where that flag was. I know, I know why where there should have been a flag. There's no comment on Digic Wise being tackled from behind and and they just move on. The replays they show are from the receiver camera. Like they're just, like, there's no comment on this terrible missed call uh, of Diedrich Wise getting tackled. Okay. Later in the same game, Matt Jones uh, gets hit late, knocked to the ground w- way after he released it. No call, but nobody is going to go, well, the officials cost the Patriots the game. Like again, thankfully, thankfully they lost by 30 and it wasn't that close. I mean, that scoreline was actually misleading. It was not that close. No, you're right. And I'll say this about it because I was on the wrong side of a wild card result. My team was. And for two retro-y offenses, the bad calls against your team or mistakes by your team are bigger. When when, when it's all done in the final score, you lost by four touchdowns. I mean, you can't point to a call that happened. They are much bigger because when you're trying to possess the ball from a high-end offense, that mistake of giving the ball back owed to a bad flag or a bad drop or otherwise looms way larger. There is no wiggle room. So the, the like that game could have been even worse to your point. You, you just said that. Like, But the whole premise of the underdog team or the team that has the um, – the the mid eighties college offense can't afford those things at all. Like they, everything has to go in their way for them to survive. But I, but what I was wrong about, and I have said I was wrong about, is I did not see that Josh Allen performance coming. I thought the I thought the weight of it was way too much, and I was struck by what Peter Schrager said uh, about it, and I, it hit me as right. People are prisoners of the moment about these things all the time, but he said. I think that was the greatest postseason quarterback performance that I've ever seen. And, you know, and initially it hits me. It's like, it's, ah, ah. I think he might, it's definitely up there among the best I've ever seen in my life. Hench, best one, start there. Best ones you've ever well, seen. Cause I, 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 str- I, I scratched out a, a brief list and I'm sure I have uh, some. Well, as I, 
I saw it coming, obviously, because I just saw it a few weeks ago. I, guess, I know, but I thought I it was going to be too much pressure it. on him I to do it again. I literally just saw him do the same thing. So that's now nine quarters without making them punt. He just does whatever he wants to do. So I, you know, uh, I, I did see it coming. Sadly, it did come. It was terrible. Um, you know, there are games that stand out. Phil Sims, 22 for 25. Obviously, Tom Brady great against call. the Falcons. But I, that's you, the most overrated great game, uh, allegedly great game. He's, he barely throws the ball past 12 yards in the rally. He only does it a couple times the, the way he does. It's all dump offs to James White. It's but, a great what, performance, but, but fine. But I'm sure so that's uh, I'm the sure second that's, round. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to denounce sure that's him. I'm comforting to Falcons fans. Well, it's not. You know, the Matt better Ryan performance was against the Seahawks. When you really get down to it, the Seahawks performance was bad. Okay. So, but what set Josh Allen apart, obviously, is uh, Tom Brady. Uh, or Phil Sims or whoever your 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 favorite postseason QB performance like uh, so Kaepernick destroyed guys on the sweep but he didn't go twenty two for twenty five what Josh Allen did was the best of all worlds what he did to Matthew Judon in the open field so you you you're one on one you've got your hunter killer missile one on one with their quarterback in space. This is what you live for if you're if you're Judon, only you didn't come within 10 feet of touching him. He just he humiliated him in in, op- in the open field, you know, for a 21 yard gain. And so like the combination of pinpoint passing, running, the weather, the situation, the pressure that you mentioned right. leading up to it, uh, it would it would ha- be hard to argue that I mean, you can only max out, right? All you can do is put the ball in the end zone every possession, you know. And and if it, it's too bad that they had the kneel down, because you know that that just corrupts it. That's a technically a possession, but like you know, when you're watching that game, this game could go on for eight hours. They're never going to get a stop. There's never it, it. It wasn't. They were never close to getting a stop. So um, I would agree with that. But back to the crisis. I want to. Well, I want to hear about that. I, I, I we, we have to dig in here quickly. Okay. Kurt Warner against the Eagles in the NFC title game that sent the cards to play the Steelers in odd eight. Peyton Manning Ooh. against his future team, the Broncos, in the wild card round in odd three. Montana against the Broncos in the Super Bowl and the all-time whipping that the Super Bowl has ever seen. Forgive, uh, forgive me, Bears fans. This was way worse when the Niners shamed Elway and company in the Superdome. Rodgers against the Cardinals in the divisional round in odd nine. Fouts against the Dolphins in the divisional round in 81 in that uh, in my favorite game of all time. Terry Bradshaw, you heard him there in 14, but in 13, the year before his first ever, talk about how much the game's changed. His first ever 300-yard passing game was in, was in 1979 against the Dallas Cowboys, and it was an all-timer. Alex Smith could burn you with the legs against the Saints. That was a... Uh, a legacy game, if you will, for Alex Smith. Remember, he. Well, what that, about uh, like, Steve what about Young? The, what about Steve Young's Super Bowl? Uh, Steve Young against the Chargers. The stakes were great. There was a ton of pressure on him. The only thing that knocks that one down is that the Chargers sucked. And then Flacco, a mile high against uh, Peyton and company in the division around twelve. That's my short list. Drop me a line. Cool. 
drop us a line uh, at minus three pod if you if I missed any. I'm sure there are Doug many Williams, omissions. There. Doug Williams, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. For one quarter, certainly. Yeah, right. You know, it's an interesting thing though when you think about raw statistics because the the thing about like Steve Young's game or, or Josh Allen's game is it does get easier to play and compile statistics when you know you are routing the other team, right? I mean, so it's fun. Like, hey, guess what? My guys are going to be open all game. Like, man, I'm going to have a big day. So when you look at like the Montana drive, you know, against the Bengals, 92 yards in a statistically less impressive game, but and that's where I would put Brady against the Falcons with both the statistics and the situation. Well, part of that situation is too, and that's what I always refer back to, is Josh Allen. Everybody knew on both sides, well, Josh Allen better be dynamite if they're going to beat Belichick in a playoff game. And so he was. I think when a guy can rise to the occasion like that, it's uh, it's awesome stuff. I think it's especially great when Tom Brady is hearing all the noise, like it's pad, you know, inflated football, deflated footballs, all that stuff, all the questions and everything for him to throw a pick six against the Falcons and be being blown out and still rise to the occasion. That, that, that's noble stuff. That's my there favorite was, thing. Uh, you know, in the, the the man in the arena where he talks about that Super Bowl. Oh, you're you the know, one watching that. I didn't know that, uh, he, uh, that it had he, any he, eyeballs on it. Well, he he talks about the Julio Jones catch and how he was like, oh, that's that. He's like, that's that. I mean, if, if he's in bounds, the game's over. You know, Matt Bryant's not going to miss from there. Like, the game's over. And then he starts talking about uh, the, the Falcons going backwards for no reason. Chris uh, Long draws the uh, draws the holding penalty. He uh, he would tell you that that's the the decisive play the decisive of that Super play. Bowl. Now let's talk about the other, talk about legacy games. Dak fell on his face in his latest legacy. He did. And this was this was probably the biggest spot of his career today. For sure. And I and I, but I want to we'll we'll get to that. I'm going a chronic lot. I know, but I want to talk to you about your team here. Now. I know. Well, what about on. all so the, you mentioned? Ahead. So we mentioned that uh, Mac Jones was roughed and there was no call. And then uh, the 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 fellow I was watching the game with, a guy by the name of Bill Simmons, he says he says, "Do you think Brady gets that call?" And then we laugh because obviously Brady gets that call. Uh, nobody, there's no doubt Brady gets that call. It, it's a joke. Everyone knows Brady gets that call. So then, heading into the in, into the Sunday matinee, Eagles Buccaneers. So now, remember our prayer, our solemn prayer is: don't affect the outcome. You can be terrible, officials. You you will be terrible. Please don't affect the outcome. So what you have in in Tampa Bay is Craig Rolstad. Uh, very trigger happy with the roughing the passer penalties, ranked second overall in terms of firing the flag. Then you have the Fabergé egg prima donna who invented the double standard for roughing the passer calls. And so there has to be a memo from the league that goes out, hey, hey, Craig, this could be a perfect storm. Like, so just, you know, go easy just let the game develop before you fucking ruin it, okay? Hey, Craig, don't ruin this game in less time than it took Mike Tyson to knock out Michael Spinks. Don't ruin this fucking NFL playoff game in 32 seconds. What happens? Brady fires wide. It's going to be third and 10. Very statistically 
Eagles are have a better than average chance of getting off the field on the first possession. Not so fast, says Craig Rolstad, because this is about Craig Rolstad, right? That's who everyone's here to see. That's who people want to watch. This guy, he was up all night. This is going to be great for Craig Rolstad. Craig Rolstad is going to take take control of this great. Craig Rolstad's not going to let this game get out of hand. Craig Rolstad is going to ruin it in 32 seconds. He throws a flag for uh, Derek Barnett's shoulder to Tom Brady's hip, below the waist, above the knee. Um, even Brady isn't doing his histrionics. Even he didn't do what Derek Carr did. So Craig Rolstad's like, that's okay, man. This is a Craig Rolstad joint. I, I got my, I'm going, I'm going to the holster and I'm going to, I'm basically going to award you a touchdown. I'm going to go, you know what? It'll be seven zip bucks as I award you 15 yards and a first down on this chicken shit, terrible call. That's all about Craig Rolstad. This is how Craig Rolstad rolls. So, okay. Now you're down. Do seven. you think, do you think, first of all, I, I enjoyed uh, 15 minutes ago, the idea you kind of insinuated it. I wonder if the officials are men of God. I wonder if they wonder if they pray for a good performance. I wonder if after the game they give all credit to their Lord and Savior. I wonder if any of that kind of stuff it's goes God's on. God's will that I make a bunch of chicken shit calls. That I really do wonder. Like, do they do they do they give all credit there? And that's why we do need to have post game press conferences with the referees to review their stuff. I also wonder, do they? I mean, they're, they're grown up human beings involved in the in the big time business of pro football. So it would be naive to think that they're not. Uh, aware of the the circumstance i also don't think it's so easy every fan goes when the call goes against you it's like they're in the bag for the other team but to to the point about like hey this would be a bad call if you throw a flag against brady the only thing that the networks and the league's rooting for is like keep tom brady in the playoffs i i don't i'm not a conspiracy theorist i don't think anybody is on the on the blower like hey uh not too bad if you uh, let the the home QB have a good day there, refs. I don't think anybody's doing that, but surely somewhere in their calculation, it, they're aware it's better for my profession, better for the sport if Tom Brady advances and not Jalen Hurts in the year. Yeah, but at least Aikman, to his credit, just goes, "That's a terrible call." Like that's a ba- that's a bad call, you know. I mean, a guy who who you could spear Aikman in the head without a flag, and he's watching a guy. By the way, Derek Barnett decelerating. When his shoulder hits Brady, like anyway, terrible call. Now later, um, Eagles trying to rally from this deficit they ne- they shouldn't even be in. Uh, they 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 run up. They, they run shouldn't a be in a run. Hold on. Okay. okay. Now Jason Kelsey has his hands on Jordan Whitehead. Right mm. now, Jordan Whitehead is out of the play, and and it, it, the play is wide of him, and it's and it's going. It's a big gainer for the Eagles. Big gainer for the Eagles. Uh, Jordan Whitehead goes, well, I can't make a play. I'm, I got the all world center has got me and I'm nowhere near it. But what I can do, cause his hands are on me. I can throw myself backwards onto the ground. Worth a shot. Derek Carr's pointing to his head. Always worth a shot that these morons are looking to ruin the game. Like they're like, I want to make a call. I want to be involved. I'm bored. I want to throw my flag. So Jason Kelsey has his hands on Jordan Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead does a Vladi Divac, like fucking throws himself backwards, 
Flag comes out and Kelsey's just laughing. He's like, you guys are, he's laughing because it's all you can do is laugh. It's such a divine comedy. How fucking terrible these guys are. The shit they'll fall for. Derek Carr snaps his head back. Okay. Jordan Whitehead throws himself on the ground. All right, let's bring back that huge gain from the Eagles. Uh, So now you're like, okay, but wait a minute. Our prayer is does not affect the outcome. So, So you could say, well, thank God. Thank God these terrible calls uniformly predictable, terrible calls. Craig Rolstad putting his imprint on the game. Thankfully, that did not affect the outcome. Now, if you had Eagles plus eight and a half, Bucks awarded a touchdown on the first drive. Eagles have a fucking scoring drive thwarted by a penalty. Final score, 31-15. If you're getting eight and a half, you, you're not so sure that the prayer was answered. You're not sure the prayer was answered. And that's God's will. And, God's and will. Way, I think Rolstad ruined the game right away. I don't know. Like, it's it's a lot harder, as you point out, about the kind of team you are. Jalen Hurts playing catch-up, that's a much that's a much harder game to keep close. Anyway. He's so, kind of emerged, though, as the backdoor cover king, right? I thought that he was going to do it again. I was and Sal and oh, my I, God. I Sal, had, Sal and I were wringing our hands before oh. that game. Like, the only way – I mean, the the Bucks should be well ahead, but is Hurts going to do one of his things in, uh, in the late fourth quarter, throw in a couple garbage touchdowns? But So now we'll get to your, to your Dak because, ironically, this is what's so crazy about the NFL. The best officiated game of the weekend – is the one that leads Sports Center because of the officiating. Like it, the, the the one where the officials got bottles thrown at them was actually the best job by the officials. Because when you watch that game, right? Like we all know, like interior lineman defensive holding, like away from the play, like this is when we see the replay, this is gonna be chicken shit that didn't have anything to do with the play. And they're like, Oh no, Randy Gregory is tackling number 60. You literally have to call it. You can't look away. Or it's like illegal hands to the face. Oh, come on, man. Then you watch it. Oh, this fucking lineman is taking the guy's helmet off. Like what? The Cowboys were actually guilty of all those penalties. Like, and, and the, and the Niners too. Like, Hey, CD lamb and Trent Williams, you got to get set. You can't, you can't just blow it off when a guy lollygags out to his position and doesn't get set. And, you know, by the way, why is Jimmy G snapping the ball on the sneak? You know, the only way you can lose this game is if you snap the ball before this guy's set. Hike! So so the officiating up, up until the moment that leads SportsCenter is actually the replays uh, uh, justify the calls. You're like, wow, pretty good. Now on the final play, you can't argue with the 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 rules and and the and the spot and everything, but like, but feel free to keep up with the play. I mean, when I, I so many people got mad play. at me. People get mad at me because I tweeted out the picture and I said because the 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 symbolism of a referee literally on top on the back of the star QB on the last play of the game is a funny image to determine whether or not the refs are overly involved in the game. And I got a lot of learn the rules kind of talk. Like it wasn't like as though I'm a not as though I'm some big. No, and listen, if he had kept up with the play, he wouldn't have had quite such a head of steam to lay that lick on Dak. Like (laughs) it is like he fucking Dak's a big guy and he moves it. 
Like he comes in, he's so far behind the play that he has to make up for it. He's got to get it top end speed for an umpire. Let me say he- this. Here's a big minority opinion that, that Damashek believes. I don't think that was a terrible call. What are, what are they by by whoever uh, Kellen Moore, Dak Prescott, or whoever decided to do that in that spot to draw? It's better to take that gamble. It was close, and they would have gotten away with it if he if the ref and Dak don't uh, don't collide there. If he hands the ball to the ref or whatever, because that's better than throwing the ball in the end zone on a hail mary. If you have a play, you can actually run something close to a reasonable play from the twenty five. One shot. I thought that was a, no, a sort I, of a, I, as he's I, running, I'm like, whoa, do they have the math? And I'm like, it's going to be so close if he's going to get it off and if he's going to spike it with one or if it's going to be zeros and uh, immediately, run, what, what the hell? I thought it was kind of a clever choice there. By the way, Jamie Foxx does the same thing in any given Sunday, but he needs <laughs> to score. You're like, this is a terrible play. But what he does it doing? from like his own 20, right? Yeah. He does it from his own 15. I got this. Um, but... <laughs> So, so I agree. I agree that um, I'm sure mathematically in Cowboy Stadium too. Although that might have been Texas Stadium. Uh, mathematically, one shot from the 25 higher percentage than two shots from beyond the 40. Just are you nature. firing Mike McCarthy here? The extreme outcomes of this are in Pittsburgh. Got to get rid of Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. There's some people. Mike Tomlin, dude, he's talking. He said the standard ain't the standard no more with him in there. He's lowered the standard, Jens. If you ain't noticed, look, they ain't, they won a playoff game in five years now. That's the extreme stuff in Pittsburgh. In Dallas, it's we have to get rid of Mike McCarthy. In Foxborough, and I said this to Spaghetti and to Will Brinson in a good episode um, on Monday. Um, I don't think – it feels to me like – I mean, you're, what are you going to do, trade Mac Jones after his rookie year? That doesn't seem reasonable. But do you feel concerned all of a sudden after what was mostly a, a, a very promising um, year for, for your Patriots? I feel like all of a sudden, like, ooh, ooh, they're kind of stuck. And not because of Mac Jones even. It's not that guy. It's that Belichick pot committed to a brand of ball that may not be viable going forward. How say you? Um, I, first of all, of all the high priced uh, free agents, like the guy I was least worried about sucking was John O. Smith. I was like, that's a good football player. Like that he'll guy's know, gonna, right. He'll know exactly. Belichick. Oh my God. Well, that, what a marriage made in heaven. Right. 28 catches, one touchdown. Oh my God. Now, what the hell happened? That was really weird. Know, but like, I mean, the word. It doesn't uh, work. So, like, now you're like – the pass catchers were even yeah. worse signings. You know, and so um, – I mean, I mean the wide receivers, I should say. Not well, that. I will say this, and it's interesting. Um, I like Kendrick Bourne, and I think Kendrick Bourne's a playmaker, and it does speak to how many playmakers the Niners have when they're like, this guy's expendable. We don't need to worry. We don't need this guy. We've got six of this guy. And they do. I mean, if you can win that road game with Kittle having one catch, I mean, because, you know, Debo, Debo, Debo's unbelievable. But like Ayuk and Jennings are players like they, that team has weapons. As we'll get to our picks, I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll dig in on them again. But um, I think it wasn't Mac Jones was not the problem in Buffalo. You know, Brandon Bolden had the huge drop. Mac Jones played fine. Um but what I, the defense that was so good 
And I do think it was a little rough making Kyle Duggar play a playoff game with Jamie Lannister's hand. How can, how can you play football? It's not just like a wrap. It, it's like a 40-pound golden hand weighing him down. And it, yeah, gotta, some X-Men have that power and it's considered a virtue. Like they can like Green Lantern can turn his his human hand into like a big green hammer like that. And you so it's beneficial. But if you're a safety on These the These are practice, sorry excuses. If you're a safety on the practice squad with, with two opposable thumbs, <laughs> but you can't, he's still a better option. Like, well, what's going to happen if he cuts in front of the receiver? Oh, he can't catch a football. This is a club on his right hand, but he's still better than you, buddy. Like, I like anyway. <laughs> and, but, uh, you know, the, the Patriots' defense – um. And this happens, you know, you, you see it. Hightower, McCourty, Jamie Collins, Van Noy. Everybody loses a step, right? And like I when guess. you and when you lose a step collectively, everybody was, you know, that's what separation is. That's why Dawson Knox is open. You know, so so I feel like the defense got old in front of our eyes. And uh, and got. I just feel like the scheme is maybe outmoded as well, but we'll see. It's only a rookie year for Mac Jones. Um, As I say, if you're out of the playoffs now, the sky is officially falling in most pro football towns. We'll jump into our picks here. The only thing I'll say on the way out the door, the exit interview for this Steelers fan is I people. I'm not talking about you or Sal or anyone else who says, "How could you? You didn't enjoy this past year." I loved it, and I was thinking about because I've been doing a fair amount of Pittsburgh radio the last couple of weeks before and after these games as things were getting exciting with Roethlisberger's farewell and the playoffs and all that. And I am in the minority, even in that group. They're like, "How did you? How, how, how did you enjoy this? Well, it wasn't fun. I thought it was delightful, and I kept calling them." A, if a team could be a knuckleball, it would be that. And I was trying to think, why is that relatable? Why do I like it so much? Because it's me. That's that's exactly what I am. I am a knuckleball. I am you know, a knucklehead. Oh, you. I think that's right. Because I was thinking about it. These Steelers were a bad team. And when the right slugger at the plate caught up with them, he, he, he didn't just uh, take them for extra bases. He He took it out of the yard. The Bengals, the Chiefs, four times, four annihilations of the Steelers, embarrassing and all of that. But every once in a while, it knuckled through just enough to scratch out, give one more win than loss, and that was enough. That's That basically defines I, my life, I, my career, the way it's I happened. Like, it's kind of like, what the hell? He's a, he, ain't, he, ain't no, he ain't throwing 99-mile-an-hour smoke. He's not Greg Maddox painting the quarters. How the hell is this guy uh, getting the pitch in the in the big leagues? Just somehow it sneaks through once in a while. Just enough. I like the analogy. I'm, I'm Charlie Huff, basically. Yeah, I like the analogy for you Thank specifically you. because you've never thrown anything over 45 miles an hour. Right. In yes. Your life. Thank, so thank you. That Thank tracks. you. Yes. Um, well, so then it so Steelers Chiefs, you know. Uh, uh, Steelers are up seven, seven zip with six minutes left in the second quarter. And I'm getting 19 and a half on my teaser. Well, I'm like, I'm like, this game might come down to the wire. I'm like, I feel pretty good with this 19 and a half. 
They did exactly uh, the, the the scenario I laid out for the two of you last week is exactly what played out. It was like halfway through the second quarter. It was like, oh, this is a completely different game than the last one. Is that going to spook Mahomes and the home crowd and everything else? The answer is no. Um, although I do think, I really do think it's crazy if Deontay Johnson catches that one ball with five minutes ago in the set and they kill the clock, they get to the locker room at worst, totally down agree. a touchdown, and it's totally a, it is different. I mean, they still lose the game and all of that. Um, but I think also the takeaway is we now move from the wild card into these matchups. I think the thing that's intriguing about trying to figure out what's going to happen in these games is these blowouts kind of warp. We're, we're all guilty of prisoner of the moment kind of stuff. And so now what do you make? Like the Chiefs and the and the Bills who are about to collide, it's like, well, nobody's stopping either one of those teams and somebody's going to win the game. And so it's really hard to divine how out of the Bucks who embarrassed the team and the Rams just embarrassed the team how 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 to to work that out rightly and so let's do that right now and All by right. the way let us know hench is uh working on an empty belly we heard uh his wife take his mendocino farms order there let's don't feel bad about jumping in there and eddie spaghetti's riding high right now spaghetti and meatballs coming your way in just a little bit to break down all that's going down in the world of puck on wednesday night though as i mentioned i told you to take the rangers plus 128 on the money line against the visiting Leafs. It looked like a weird line to me. The Leafs had been on the road and the Rangers were nice and rested up. And so it came to pass. Enjoy um, riding high there, Spaghetti, because here come the full-strength Pittsburgh Penguins, ready to roll. But we'll look forward to hearing about that. I would like, If we have time for any hockey, we'll work it in. But we have to pick the games here, and I think we should focus in on that. By the way, Eddie Spaghetti, uh, I sent you a picture yesterday, maybe to make you jealous a little bit. I met one Charles Oakley. I was uh, on the Adam Carolla show. You can go check that out. And um, but Charles Oakley passed through, and I, I grabbed a picture with him, and we talked about who would have won, Akeem's Rockets or uh, Jordan's Bulls, and he had a he had a good answer for it actually. He is one of my all-time favorite players. Uh, I've actually I saw Charles. I think when he was doing Dancing with the Stars, he was not too far from my old apartment in uh west like near west hollywood and he's a, a, a large man also fun fact about him it's like uh, a thing going around i used to work at sirius xm nba if you ever had to contact michael jordan everyone kind of knew like in the inner circles that like oak was the guy to go through because he had he's yeah, one that's of right very, very few people that have mj's like direct line but um when i will I, he also ran to my dad in like atlantic city and like they were like gambling together he's like an awesome guy apparently but that's he awesome he came across as a, yeah very uh yeah an affable and and fun you know guy. what uh you don't see it in the NBA a lot, but like the, you know, Dave Semenko being the, the NHL, like, it's like, you know, you're like, hey, why doesn't somebody, this Twiggy Gretzky, why doesn't somebody just splatter him? It's like, well, you'd have to deal with this. Oakley, like it doesn't happen in the NBA that much, but Oakley was that level of enforcer where you're like, yeah, you don't want to whip Jordan's legs out from under him because this motherfucker will kill you. Like it, it's such a generally that stereotype is right. Cause Ty, who is Mario Lemieux's best friend from his history of puck, his, uh, his glorious, uh, who does he hang out with in the owner's box? Oh, Ty Domi. That's Ty Domi of all the human beings that you could have gravitated to 66. It's this bum. And Marty McSorley's a, a pleasant fella. Um, yeah, I mean, Georgie LaRocque is a delight. Yeah, what is it with goons being the most – Ryan Reeves, who potted a couple for the Blue Also, Ty Domi, five foot eight too, so it's a weird – like, it's such a weird thing to grasp. Like, an enforcer back in the day was, like, significantly shorter than I am. He's also Mark Wahlberg's best pal. 
Sal and I bent his ear for about 45 minutes one night in the Kimmel green room about like, what the hell? Why are you Waldo? Why are you everywhere? Why do you know every big time sports star? Why? And Mark Wahlberg. Why? Like, <laughs> it's a crazy uh, thing. This, uh, this little fellow got to work in a quick break here. All right, let's, let's make our picks here. Let's start it off and right out of the gate four for four fascinating games and i know the the other afc game is juicy it presents as obviously great but this one it's kind of like an indie film almost as intriguing as the blockbuster that is overshadowing it Bengals, titans three and a half is what the home team is laying the total on this one is 47 how say you kevin hatch you know it's funny last weekend was it's very chalky as we know, except for the Niners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this weekend, I'm going the other way. And I I don't like when you're, you're planning your offense, you're building your game plan around a guy who's coming back from injury. So it's like, I don't know how much Derrick Henry can play. I don't know how well he can play. You don't mm-hmm. want to squander possessions finding out he doesn't have that game burst that you can't, you can't know. I don't care what's happening in practice. You just cannot tell until the playoff game starts. So I would say Henry coming back, uh, getting the, the, the three and a half that Burrow will be getting. I like Burrow in the points. Um, even like them with the money line. I just think it, it, they can score with anybody. And, and I like the Bengals in this one. I man, I go back and forth on this one because the exact way it feels like to to slow down the Bengals offense, at least, and it's at a point now where I don't think you shut them down, is to heat them up. And that, you know, the the Tennessee front is borderline dominant. And I also uh stumbled into my new theory of the poop the bed. Uh, potential. And it doesn't make you great, but it is kind of an essential quality to have. It's one Tom Brady has. He He's immune to the, the potential damaging effects of the curse of Sposta. There is nothing that could happen that would make Tom Brady be like, this moment is is crushing me, the, the personal pressure or otherwise. I feel like you that could happen to Mahomes. I think it could happen to Josh Allen. It did happen to Dak. It definitely could happen to Matt Stafford. I feel like Joe Burrow is immune to it. I don't think they're like, oh, geez, we're down 17 in, in Nashville. Like, I'm going to try to force some in here and make the, a bad situation worse. I really want to take the Titans here. I think Derrick Henry's presence on the sideline is meaningful. I think the practical two weeks of rest is, is practically beneficial. I think Tennessee is super healthy. Remember in August or even before when Julio Jones lands there, People suddenly say, well, what, what the hell are you going to do? Yeah, what, what, what the hell – What? how do you slow down that offense with Derrick Henry and those pass catchers around them? And the answer is I, I have no idea. We just have shelved all that because they haven't been healthy all year. But if they are right, that said, I'm going to stick with my pick of Burrow. I'm really nervous about it. Plus three and a half, I'm taking Cincy on the road. How say you, Spaghetti? So this, for me, was the toughest game to pick. And yes. it's I, my lowest confidence pick. Right. And I, I think this could be a coin flip game. You know, it's A.J. Brown, I think, just said getting 
uh, Derrick Henry back gave the locker room like a huge boost of confidence. And to me, it's like very strange when the number one seed in the AFC is like, oh, we desperately needed that guy back. And I know like not everyone plays into like the human aspect, but Dave, you do a lot. And I think I think it does matter that this team like basically is what they're saying is they didn't have confidence to win. So like what to me is like, well, I think Cincinnati's defense knows they have to stop Derrick Henry. And if they stop Derrick Henry, then their path to victory should be uh, a bit easier. Although the Bengals pass defense not great, neither is the Titans. So I think I know, but AJ Brown and Julio Jones, that's what spooked but, me. Because remember, Julio that's the conversation six months ago. It's like, how, do, how are you going to cover both those guys? If Julio and, Jones is singled up, I, I, that's worrisome. Julio Julio this year has not done really much of anything. If you're gonna, if you're going to compare receiver groups, I'm going to side with the Bengals. Uh, even with sure. like CJ uh, Uzama is playing really well too for the for the Bengals and Joe Mixon's having probably arguably his best season. So I think if you're going to go compare offenses, if this m- turns into a sort of shootout thing because of the past events both being lackluster, I, you know, like you're saying, like if Burrow's unflappable, I could see Burrow just going shot for shot and not, and not messing up. Whereas Tannehill, I just don't have the level of confidence. I think also Derek Henry, this is something I was talking about. Well, with he Jen. could poop the bed. He could yeah. poop the bed. That's I, what could happen. He throws I, a terrible pick. He's he's bound to throw to force a bad pass to try to make amends for it. And uh, my last point, and I was talking about this with Jen on waiver wire, is like I, we both agreed that Henry's a guy that I feel like will just get better with time. And if this is a game, I know they're trying to push for him to have over twenty carries. That seems to be going around Twitter. It's like, well, what happens if he's not effective? And what happens if he's not fully healthy back? I know he's been practicing for a while, but I could see one of those things where Henry's just not getting the amount of yards. Like he's not getting six, seven, eight a carry. He's getting three, four and he's just not as effective as they want him to be or need him to be. And, like, again, it comes back to the quarterbacks matching up, throwing the ball to their receivers. I'm I'm just going to side with Burrow, and I think the team getting points in this game is going to make the difference. They get the three and a half. They have the hook. Uh, I like the Bengals. The difference, but though, ultimately, though, is, yeah, there's all this talk about Henry. Dante Foreman puts up the same numbers. He just doesn't have the home run potential that Derrick Henry has. That's what's devastating about Henry is, is that he pulls away. He, he embarrasses you, and then he runs it another 70 yards into the end zone. They are prone to getting big played. The uh, the Bengals are. I'm nervous about this one. I'm riding with the low poop the bed potential of the guy at the most important position. Next, Niners, Packers. The Niners are getting six up in Lambeau. The total on this one is 46 and a half. Hench, how say you? I'm taking those points. Uh, I I mm-hmm. love this Niner team. Um Obviously, you're going to have to sweat out the two floaters that Jimmy G is going to throw directly to the other team. If they Good only luck catch- last week when you said when you said that's the worst pass given the situation since Garo Yapremian in Super Bowl seven, it, it's. I mean, you can one hop it, fine. You you can throw it to the wide open guy, fine. Here's the only thing you can't do, Jimmy, is float it ten yards over his head on an eight yard pass. It was. I mean, we none of us could believe how bad that pass was, and yet we we're like, we could totally believe it because it happens every game. It's a weird affliction. He who he's plays well, except for the moment. It's like it's like a guy who's a great shooter, but once a game he shoots it in the wrong direction. Like I don't know, like I've never seen anybody with this spasm every week. My analysis is, my cheap analysis of him and guys at his level, say Kirk Cousins and and that kind of guy, intermediate QB, um, you know, on the right day can be creeping into the top dozen um, in the league, is that 
they are better off never taking their eyes off the defense. Ergo, putting them in the gun would make it so they don't throw those passes. The problem is they need play action to thrive. So they have to turn their back to the defense. And then when they turn back around, they get confused by it. They're not good enough to overcome the confusion that comes from that. So they're in kind of a catch-22. But Jimmy G is the most fascinating QB as far as that goes because if you catch the right stretches of the same game, you're like, what's wrong with this guy? He's great. He's much better than Mac Jones is. He's got a bigger arm than Mac Jones. The problem is is that he always – one to four times a game, throws a pass like right into the chest of the other right team. To the other team. So with that in mind, I still it let you know now it's gonna be super cold. You know, one thing we've we've figured out is that you know, cold is a lot better than wind. So the question is really how windy will it be? But let's say, let's say the passing game is diminished. Every degree, every mile per hour that the passing game is diminished is good for the Niners, right? I mean, it, it, you know, so when you're when you're looking at all the ways the Niners can gash you, I just think getting six, as a Packer fan, and it looks like guys are coming back for the Niners, that was the big question, right? right. The Niners got very dinged. In fact, back to your Dak conversation that, I, that we never really did, it's like first and 10 at the 48-yard line, uh, they don't have Bosa, Willis, or Warner on the field, you've got first and 10 at the 48, you lose a yard in the next four plays. That's a pretty defining sequence for Dak um, in that game. So the Packers, now we're going to get a, a, a res- returning to health Niners defense that got a lot of pressure on Dak, really pushed the pocket. And and I just think they're super physical on the other side of the ball. And I I can't see Kittle only having one catch, no matter how windy it is. I, I, I really didn't understand that. I, you know, you don't know exactly how they're bracketing him on every play, but I feel like if you if you survive the Kittle one catch game and move on, you're in nice shape for the next one. So now I have the Niners plus seventeen hundred to win the NFC. It's plus five twenty five now, um, but I still I like I've liked this team for about six weeks, and uh, I I think you know that that's a bit, that's a lot of wood. Six points in what could be a close game. I like the I like the Niners. I hear you. Um, I think six. If you know, it's five it's and a half just, now. By the way. Oh well, it's not just cousin Sal. It's everybody feels like well that well this this result is the most obvious of of the four games, and so it's very easy to hand it to the Packers. Well rested, um, as we've discussed before. There is a weird. Um, overlap on the Venn diagram of like who's the most controversial guy in pro football right now and that guy winning the Super Bowl MVP that is from Ray Lewis on it it seems like that is a recurring theme in the 21st century um or in fact back to the 80s when Al Davis was winning it and he was going to war with Pete uh, Pete Rozelle and Rozelle had to hand him the Lombardi um so I think Aaron Rodgers and uh, on that front makes a ton of sense there. And I like the Packers, how they're constructed, because you say if it's cold in Lambeau, you know, I don't want Aaron Jones and I definitely don't want A.J. Dillon running downhill at me. That, they can beat you multiple ways. They're the better team over the course of the season. Six is a lot. I'm going to take the Packers. Um, like we talked about last week, this is definitely a tougher draw for them than getting either the Rams or the Cardinals coming up from from the Southwest. Um, into frigid Lambo. 
The thing that I think, though, I, and forgive me, Packers fans, I, uh, you know, I, I always say Vikings and Bills is the optimal Super Bowl for fan bases to fan bases that have never won a Super Bowl. But in likability, um, you know, the Packers are obviously up there, too. You got to root for the cheeseheads and all that. They, they seem like a, a fun group themselves. The funniest, most compelling result is for the Packers to lose now just to see the fallout. What happens then? Do does that does that mean that the divorce is certain? Is Aaron Rodgers, is that his last game as he leaves the field? Is he going to Denver? Is he going to Vegas? If he wins and wins the Super Bowl, maybe he doesn't leave there. Just to watch the the world burn a little bit. I think it would be fun if Aaron Rodgers, given all the stakes and all the talk and his conversations with McAfee during the season and everything else, if they go down, I think it it presents as the if you're not a Packers fan, I think it's the most interesting way this thing could break, right? That's that's the storyline. Well, obviously, I'd be delighted uh, if Aaron Rodgers had the whole offseason starting uh, next week to read Ayn Rand. It would be delightful. Nothing would make me happier. Well, I'd love to. I mean, does he, would he, I really would love to. It, will he be classy about it? Will he be, I think he knows that he's smart enough that he can't be like, we tried our best, but my time here in, in Green Bay is over with like, will he get to the to the mic after the game and be like, I told you we needed another receiver. Instead, you got Jordan Love. What did he do? You know, I I, I want to see that. I just want to see what, what the fallout of this mess would be. Quickly, let's uh, talk about this because you know that uh, with the playoffs here, FanDuel is in postseason form. FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with 30 to 1 enhanced odds for the divisional playoffs. Bet five to win $150 on any team to win any divisional playoff game. Let's, let's do it right here. Who's the one? Who's the one? I will say, after all my ranting and raving there, I do think it's the Packers. If you, if you if you just want to win, bet the Packers there. Make sure you do it. Fanduel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three. Spaghetti, do you disagree? No, I'm, I'm riding with the Packers. The Packers are the team that I bet on the FanDuel Sportsbook app while in Jersey on. Uh, they're my pick to win the, the Super Bowl this year. And You got uh, a minus the five and a half here? Uh, I have him here, minus a five and a half. And, you know, my two predictions that I gave last week uh, both came true. One being the Raiders losing a game uh, over something controversial, which is happening. And the number two thing is that Jimmy G will play well enough to uh, to deserve a, a starting shot next year. And he did that. So congrats to you, Jimmy G. You'll be a starting quarterback on our new team next year. Uh, I don't I don't buy into the 49ers as much as other people do. I'm not sure why. I just don't love them. I don't trust them as a team. I know it's a matchup of two uh, 2013 Washington football team assistant coaches between LaFleur uh, and um, Shanahan here. But the Packers are getting healthy right now. Like they're get, I know like Bakhtiari is questionable, but if, if I had a guess, he's an offensive lineman. He'll play like Jair Alexander, Zedaria Smith, Whitney Merciless. Uh, and they have the two-headed monster. Aaron Jones is fresh. He didn't play week 18. And Rodgers is playing just pissed off, angry football. And I, it's, to me, I just love this team right now. I think they're going to steamroll them, and I, I really like them at home. Nobody, if they're, it, it's obvious. Matthew Stafford has pressure. Talk about a legacy game and all that. I kind of feel like that's what what happened in SoFi for him. I, I think it's reasonable if they lose in Tampa, people will be like, "Oh well, you you, you lost to the go. What are you going to do?" The guy who is in the crosshairs more than anyone else by far and away in the, the curse is supposed to is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's no question. If he loses this game, what, I mean, what, what do you say? And by the way, if he loses this game or next week, how desirable is he? I know 
everybody as this, oh, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers in our offense? Every fan base is talking that way. You definitely want that. You definitely want the baggage at 39 and all that. It'll be very interesting, which is why I will keep saying um, this is a huge spot for Rodgers because we've seen him against Eddie Spaghetti's Giants in a game he had to have that he that he was supposed to win and he didn't win. And as I keep saying, the last decade is filled with those. He's not Dan Marino because Dan Marino's best shot was in his first three years. And then they kind of like trickled off because Don Chula made bad personnel moves. Rodgers is always in the mix and never gets over. They haven't been to a Super Bowl since they won the Super Bowl 11 years ago. It's really interesting. If they, don't get, if they about- don't get to the Super Bowl here, boy, it's really weird. How do we how do we judge where Aaron Rodgers is? But in terms of desirability, I mean, you know, we watch all the games. There's no quarterback where, regardless of the distance of the throw, where the ball goes exactly where he wants it to go. It's it's insane when you see him drop back and and throw what looks like like oh that's a low percentage no that's right in the bucket and only his guy has a shot at it i mean any like seam routes to the tight end like just over like missing the ear of the linebacker like it's crazy how the the combination of velocity and accuracy of Aaron Rodgers. There's nobody. There's nobody close. I mean, it's like I agree. And I, I, Mahomes came along and was a revelation and continues to be. And Josh Allen is, and the ball explodes out of Allen's hands. But there still is a quality all these years later about the way how fast and and on a line it is when Rodgers unfurls and they and the deep ball too. So. Uh, a, a fun game, at least if you if you love your history. Obviously, two high end franchises clashing here. There have been some gems in uh, in Lambeau between these teams in postseason, and uh, so looking forward to that one. Now on to another juicy game. Let's talk about the Rams. Let's talk about the Bucks. Total on it is forty eight and a half. The Buccaneers, of course, favored by a mere field goal. Banged up are the Buccaneers. Although Andrew Whitworth, uh, Whitworth, I guess the easy math on this one is who's going to be available for whom. Whitworth is questionable. Worfs is a game time decision. Jones is doubtful. Leonard Fournette practicing. How say you, Hench? Um, I'm I'm taking the points again here. Mm. Uh, I really, it's funny, you know, the Rams were the the trendy pick before the season, um, and. And then added Von Miller, but it, the defense never really seemed to be as good as it should have been until Kyler Murray couldn't do anything. Suddenly, and you're like, "Oh, right, this is what happens when you have to block Von Miller and Aaron Donald." This is and the, and that defense looked so fast and so aggressive, and so in a weird way, if you watch the tape of the Rams defense against the Cardinals, and you watch the tape of Bucks linemen trying to walk off the field. This is a bad combination, right? So, you know, the thing is, you figure Wurfso gets shot up with whatever they need, with whatever horse tranquilizer they need to use to get him on the field. But sometimes, especially on the offensive line, your guy trying to, to be a warrior, not great. Like, right? It's like you can't, against a defense like this, you don't want a lineman that's a half a step slower than when he's healthy. So I like the Rams defense to keep this game under 48 and a half. Um, and, and I'll take the points, um, you know, 
Cam Akers, I feels like, you know, visibly made a difference with the team. And, uh, and, and, you know, I've been saying Robert Woods is a huge loss all year, but Odell Beckham has answered the, was it Baker or was it Beckham question pretty resoundingly. <laughs> like when that divorce happened in Cleveland, you're like, Hey man, I don't know. Maybe they both suck. No, this guy's still good when he has a decent quarterback. So mm-hmm. I'll take the field goal um, and and that Rams defense. All right. I, I mean, I'm going to do it. I swore I wouldn't do it two oh, months no. ago. Oh, no. Two and a half months ago, three months ago, maybe two weeks ago even. I'm going to do it here. I, listen, Matthew Stafford, talk about poop the bed potential. In this spot, could absolutely be had. If if things go sideways, he absolutely could throw three terrible interceptions here. And Jalen Ramsey, in practical pigskin terms, Jalen Ramsey, put him on Mike Evans. That's the one wide receiver that they have that's scary at this point for Brady. Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Godwin, Antonio Brown, they're not playing if you haven't heard. So now it's Mike Evans. Old Gronk and some pieces. And Brady has made stars out of plenty of rando guys in postseason games past. But I you hit on it with the matchups. It's not just Ramsey on Mike Evans, presumably more or less locking him up for 60 minutes. It's that Aaron Donald, how much I mean, does it matter or does it not? For all and I Aaron Donald's awesome, and he's the best football player in the world, unless it's Tom Brady. Well, here are the two best football players in the world, allegedly, going head-to-head against a good but banged-up offensive line for Tampa, and Aaron Donald doesn't present as the difference maker in this in this game. I say he is the difference. I say Rams plus the three. I'm betting against Brady. What do you oh think about my that, God. Spaghetti? Now you got me nervous. You know, but, I mean, the Eagles got home four times last week, and they're, and they're not – they're not as tenacious as Aaron Donald and Von Miller. Um, uh, and, and I really, you know, to your point, you know, we, we talked about it all year when, when Fitzpatrick was hurt and TJ Watt was hurt. And you're like, it, it matters who goes out and play. Like, you just don't go to like, a, hey, man, what's wrong with the Steelers? What's wrong with the Steelers is they've got a bunch of substitutes starting was what was wrong with the Steelers when they lost to the Chargers. Um, I, I've been saying like for weeks now, and I've been wrong, but like, Godwin in particular has to matter at some point. Talk about a security blanket. He's always open. That must be a comfort. He's his Edelman. He's his Welker. Like you can always check down to him. And then he breaks two tackles and gets 14 yards. Like it just has to matter that Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller are taking those reps. And, and so uh, uh, I've talked myself into this Rams pick, although when they, when they go, you know, when they mentioned how many quarterbacks Brady has beaten in the playoffs and that Stafford just got his first, you're like, what are we doing? I know, we it to- seems crazy, but one more point about the Rams, because, and, and I know it's, it's borderline overly simplistic, like LA wouldn't travel well to the cold. Um, but the Rams, for what it matters, and I haven't looked up the numbers career-wise, but LSU, you know, Bayou's own Odell Beckham, and Georgia guy, Matt Staff, or he's a Texas kid, but, you know, spent toils in, in college in the SEC as well there. 
you can't point to that. I mean, if it's next week, if it's Rams at Lambeau, well, then it's a walkover for me. I'm, not, of course, on the money line, at least I'll take the Packers to beat the pretty boys from SoCal. But in this spot, that kind of that that's not something you can point to that that's going to limit Matthew Stafford or anything else. These guys are in their element. They like playing in in that kind of weather. So no edge for the home team um, on that front either. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? You're gonna take the you're gonna take Brady because you are gonna be a man of your word and not bet against Brady ever again. Exactly. Uh, I've I've said we're overthinking it. Until next week, since you bet the Packers to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's fair. Right, and uh, and I did say like why why pick against Brady? We're overthinking it. I I think a big factor is the return of uh, playoff Lenny getting Leonard Fournette back is gonna help him a lot. Uh, in this game, especially because I think Rojo is pretty banged up. I I think in this game, you know, watching the Rams uh, from very, very far away inside SoFi, like I just don't see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Like Odell Beckham was wide open consistently and Stafford found him and, it, you know, proved that it wasn't uh, Odell's fault in Cleveland. It was probably the uh, quarterback and, and and such there. But I don't see them doing that. I think Vita Vey in the middle is going to cause a lot of trouble uh, for Stafford. And I think this game, I think it's at 48 and a half right now. I could see the under hitting. I could see a very tight game, like a Bucks 24-20-ish win. And it, what it comes down to is, like, if it's close, I'm going to trust Brady in a close game. And, uh, you know, Stafford, and he didn't do have to do much. He wasn't really t- Tested in the game versus the Cardinals because the Cardinals were that bad. The defense did a lot of work and their run game was good, uh, the Rams. So I, I think if it's a game where Stafford has to put them on the back, he has not been A plus. Like he has not been consistent lately. He's tied with uh Trevor Lawrence for the most interceptions. So I I just like Brady at home in this one. Completely fair. Completely um, fair to say that. The one, one thing about playoff Lenny, it and you know, Derrick Henry's a, a different injury, but you know, if you've ever pulled torn a hamstring like it so not good enough to go at all last week but a hundred percent this week like you're you're talking about degrees and I just feel like um yes a a perfectly healthy Leonard Fournette makes a big difference but an 85 percent Leonard Fournette against this sideline to sideline defense not necessarily gonna gonna be a difference maker um and and I got the Rams you know God, they got after it against the Cardinals. I mean, you know, Kyler got shell-shocked. Like, nobody was open. Nobody got separation. There was a guy in his lap. You know, it was so if uh, – and, and and obviously he's got escapability that that uh, 12 does not have. So uh, uh, this will be fun. I'm, I'm I, I know, and I can – obviously I can talk myself into Brady because the math would seem to be that um, – that Gio Bernard looms large in this one because who, how, well, what's Brady going to do to attack that team? Eric Weddle and the backers are going to stop Gio Bernard. He, he may just nickel and dime the Rams defense while the Bucks defense tries to seduce Stafford into a couple of bad picks. And that's how the Buccaneers win this game. I just think that the matchups that I, that I already highlighted favor the Rams, you know, on, on paper as an X and O and, um, the mystique well, of Brady is why step. you ride with it. The reason you ride with them is because of because of the Brady mystique and not because of Vita Vea or any of the nice defensive pieces that that the it has everything to do with like because Brady doesn't lose in these spots. I don't know. He well, let me ask Brady you this, has lost games before. One of your other uh criteria that you lean on is um I was gonna say, you know, you know, past past performance, right. past his prologue. And so now I know a lot of people have been going like, hey man, but those were two different teams. Yeah, the Bucs are worse 
Right. Bucks don't have Chris Godwin. So it's you like you took away their receivers and they got one. I mean, I know you take out Woods, as you say, but still, right. A net gain for the for the visiting. So I Absolutely think right. They that the best. And that was a 17. Well. That was a 17 point game, by the way. And Von Miller wasn't there yet. Exactly. They 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 score a late touchdown. How did that game go? They were blowing the it was borderline blowout, and Brady tacked one on there. And I think it was like a a two score game, but it was a borderline. If not for the late garbage touchdown, it would, it would have been a bigger Rams blowout if, if memory serves, but that was way back at the start of the season. But to your point, thank you for uh, listening to my words, Kevin. Hanks. And, yeah. and if you want to go even deeper, people forget how mediocre Brady was against McVeigh in that Super Bowl. <laughs> oh my God. Right. Oh my God. He couldn't move the ball. Our guy Wade Phillips ain't there anymore, but yes, perhaps he can uh, he can issue. But a I mean, there's there's some institutional memory. Sure. Um, all right, here we go to the one that everybody has circled, and rightly so. It's a it's a beauty of a divisional round game. Already a little bit worse than it could have been. It's not as optimal because the Bills have announced that they're going to wear their white pants with the white jersey. So they're going all white, which looks nice if you're playing the right team, but you don't play a team that's also going to have its its home white dungarees on when you're wearing your whites, unless the Chiefs come out in the all red. I don't like the all red, though. They should come out in their classic get-ups of red hat, red jersey, white pants. But now the visitors have ruined it by wearing all white. It's not going to look as good as it could. Either way, the Chiefs a meager one and a half is all they're given. They're the home team. They're the Chiefs. They're the team that almost has gone to three straight Super Bowls and is favored to get back to this one now. But the Bills red hot total on this one, 53 and a half. That feels way too low. How say you, Kevin Hedge? Um, you know, it's one of the it's one of the first laws of sports gambling, right? It's like if you think the line is going to be X and the line is Y and that line has moved, you're like, oh, my God. Well, if I thought it was going to be three and a half and it's one and a half, I should take the Chiefs. Like, no, 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 no. You go, you go where the sharps, you go where the line is going. And so watching uh, the Patriots get annihilated by the Bills, I I announced that, that the, uh, the Bills were going to go into Arrowhead and win. And I haven't changed my mind. I think, you know, Josh Allen and, and Pat Mahomes are – are lining up as this is going to be a generational, this is Stabler and Bradshaw, right? They're going to meet, they're going to meet a lot over the next 10 years. And uh, Josh Allen's going to get his share and it starts this weekend. Uh, The Bills go into Arrowhead. They don't settle for field goals, you know, which was, was the curse last time. And, uh, and Josh Allen wins this round in the, in the Frazier Ali of these two giants who are both going to Canton. But the consistency of the matchup favors the Chiefs over the this little mini era. The Chiefs have have more often than not had the Bills number. And it's in Arrowhead. But I'm with you, Hench. I'm taking the Bills too. I've sweated this one out quite a bit. And ultimately, I I, you know, the pass rush of the Bills, their deficiency in the offseason did get fixed. And they they don't feel outside of having a proper running back. They don't feel like they have any real flaws here. And in a game that I just can't figure out how it's not a shootout, how both teams don't wind up in the 30s, 
I like, I, I, you know, I obviously like the Chiefs' ability to turn you over. I like the Bills' ab- ability to do it to Mahomes and company a little bit more. And the other thing is that has no actual application, I guess. But, you know, as somebody who looks at what the last 50-plus years of Super Bowls tell us, there have only been two teams ever to get the three straight Super Bowls. So, I mean, the odds are stacked against the Chiefs getting to a four. I mean, because they should have gotten there with D Ford. This would be their third. History is against them doing that. I say that uh, they can't overcome history. I'm taking the Bills here in the divisional round. And you talk about matchups that we're going to see a lot of. Perhaps it'll be Joe Burrow waiting on the other side for that three-headed monster that will feel. And what well, Justin I Herbert was, does not uh, sleep I on was that. imagining a scenario where the Bills host the AFC title game. <laughs> it, it, it's surprise, you know, Bengals at Bills. Um, you know, but best bet though, but best bet maybe of the weekend to me is, um, and I've been horrible at uh, at totals, but I'm going to say it anyway. How does this game not go over 53? Over, over, over. Um, I totally agree. It, you know, it's interesting when we were talking about the the Chiefs Steelers route, which looks looked very predictable in hindsight. But I said, you know, we were talking about TJ Watt, and I said, well, you know, everybody knows TJ Watt has to be the focal point of your game plan, and you cannot. It, Andy Reid will not let TJ Watt be a game wrecker. What does TJ Watt do? Tips a pass that gets picked off returns a fumble for a touchdown, also bags a sack. Like, he does wreck the game, and they still lose by 21. But this week, I do think, because I'm like, you know, I'm like, what I said in in picking the Chiefs, I said, they're not going to fuck around. They're not going to do their sweet Georgia Brown nonsense. It's this serious time. They're going wildcat and fumbling and giving up touchdowns. Kelsey's throwing the ball. Like, they can't help themselves. They fuck around all the time. And I just feel like the Bills are a little a, a, a little um, less fancy, which is good in January. Right. And it's unorthodox that your quarterback is is your leading rusher, but but he is a freight train. He's not he's not uh, doing it through um uh, sleight of hand or anything. He's he's running over you. He's he's, he's as also, fast, if not faster, than you, and he's bigger than you. And That's he's a twinkle bad toes. He's twinkle toes. He's like he's juking guys at that size. I, it's, it's so okay. So we've. I, I love I love that the idea of that because that, that travels like nerves and legacy game and all that. I obviously, if you haven't picked up yet, I obviously believe in in the ability even for superhuman guys to have that kind of stuff penetrate their brains but when you're holding the ball and running with it i think it reduces that versus throwing the ball from the pocket the whole time josh allen uh, you can switch from being like we have a lot of pressure on us to being we're the team that nobody can stop this freight train from from our destiny which is the super bowl i think i i think that they go in there and win this game spaghetti how say you yeah make it quick I, i'm i'm with the bills as well uh josh allen to me is playing kind of how like mahomes did when he first kind of came on the scene like just improvising making insane plays like that first run that big run uh allen had in the beginning of that that game i was like wow this guy is really doing everything uh he's putting the team on his back which is funny because he doesn't need to like singletary's running the ball a lot better dawson knox emerging as one of the top tight ends in the in the game and obviously their defense is awesome love their secondary it's gonna be a tough game i think for the chiefs and uh you know it's it's maybe a little bit of like the chief struggles from earlier in the year kind of stuck in my head and they're still missing clyde edwards lair 
Um, but I don't think they're missing him. Did you see Jarek? Well, he looked it was good, but it, you know, it just, it's still a weird thing to draft a guy in the first round and, and, and like everyone's saying, Oh, any reason to have game, a game plan for him. He's a good pass catching back. And then kind of to move on from that. And, uh, I think this story of the offseason will just be more of like, get, get Mahomes a third weapon, shore up the defense, uh, some O-line help. I could definitely see that coming. I could definitely see the Clyde Edwards-Lair being a bust stuff start, uh, starting to come out. And I, I just think the Bills have the magic. I think they're prop. You could argue, I guess now with the Packers getting a lot of guys back, but you could still argue they're the most complete roster uh, left in the playoffs. So I, I would not be shocked. To me, it's not much of an upset if the Bills win. Right. Well, one and a half. Not much right, of an upset right, at all. Right. Um, Shaq, let me ask you. Now, you could point to a lot of – Patriots and go, what was that guy doing on that play in a game we could have easily lost by 50 points? But who's number 21 for the Steelers? Johnson. Who 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 is he? Who's this guy? 21. Are you thinking of Mallette? Are you thinking of? I thought Wait, his where? last name was Johnson. Uh, number 21 for the Steelers. 21 for the Steelers. Arthur Mallette or uh or uh the rookie it, from, from Florida. It, or is it 22? Did I, did I Trey mention? Norwood's 21. Trey Norwood, yeah, the Florida kid. Um, 22. All right. I'm trying who, to think of who you're thinking who, of. 22 is Najee. Which, 20, all right, which one of these guys? You would think I would know 22 is Najee. Najee, but wait a minute. Well, <laughs> I just want to know which one of these guys just let Kelsey run across his face at the end of the half I, I I can't. I've seen the play ten times. I cannot. Are you thinking? Of, out. You might be thinking of Marcus Allen, not that, not the former Chief Marcus Allen, but Marcus Allen, the former Chief at fifty-seven, probably would have played it as effectively as. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When 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 there gets to be that deficit of players, and you see, that's always the guy to realize. Oh, the Steelers are shorthanded on defense when you see Marcus Allen number twenty-seven out there. So. He lets Kelsey – Kelsey runs across his face. Now, I'm assuming he's in his zone because he – that's not his guy. But he plays it like he thinks there's someone outside of him. Like, it was the craziest paralysis where you're like, well, here's what can happen. This guy can't score on this play. I, it was – I mean, it was mind-boggling. And as you said, backbreaking. Like, that – you know, obviously, if if Deontay doesn't drop the ball, that that could have been a game. That could have get. Well, been- I mean, I, I don't want to even indulge because it's crazy. But if if uh, you know Alex Highsmith on second and long has Mahomes in his grasp, and if he actually gets him to the ground, that's fifteen further yards, and they're probably not under any circumstance throwing the ball downfield at that point. They probably just run it to burn the clock and not let the Steelers touch it uh, for some miracle to end the half. Then they get into the locker room down seven. I don't, I don't, whatever. I know, it's over with. I just heard, over I just heard with. a lot about how great Mahomes and Kelsey are and no mention of what was happening in the Steelers. Like what? I don't even know what, what is this approach? No, yeah, well, I got to tell you, I think you, that's what the Chiefs offense. Well, I'm gonna make, oh, wait, that wait, was, uh, but what's this guy doing? What's his responsibility? <laughs> so, I went, you would think that the Steelers were also aware that this is a really good connection and would have covered him. So yeah, that was the yeah. all pro, the all pro runs in front of you and you're like, not my problem. Oh, that's not listen. my responsibility. What's done is done, Hench. I'm looking on to Pittsburgh Penguins hockey and, and a half. And the free eight. And a half. I, I, I'm done with it. I'm, I've moved on to to trying to solve what the Steelers are going to do. At and QB. by the way, plus 19 and a half comes two yards from cashing on the last play of the game. 
A lot of people have Kenny Pickett going to Spaghetti's Giants. People talk about Danny Dimes. The magic uh, uh, math that people have about how quarterbacks move around the NFL. Um, I will say this quickly, Hedge. I caught up with an old pal of mine, David Gefsky, who I hadn't seen in a quarter century. And within the first four minutes, we were talking about, he's like, I, you know, listen to all your stuff and watch it and everything. He's like, boy, that Kevin Hench, man, he is terrible. No, he said, oh, I love Hench. Hench is the greatest. What a what a gift he's been to your show, and I oh. said, uh, and I said, I I sort of agree, um, well, and and then we moved on to other things. But no, he he was well, uh, swooning that's over. That's very you. kind, and I have to say, uh, to bookend our time together today, as my my uh, not as good as it should be lunch is about to arrive. Oh, good. Um, remember, everybody has to remember, the calls are going to be terrible. Our prayer is that they don't affect the outcome. So we're talking God's about plan, though. Don't worry. Don't blame the referee. We're referees. talking about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. We should really be talking about Hockley and Rolstad. I, you know, I don't know who got the assignments. I love when they go, hey, this crew is mixed and matched. Like, this crew's never worked together before. Like, it's like they're trying anything. What the hell? Have- what the hell kind of excuse? I, I talk about the carrying of water for the officials. Like, he had a bad, that, this crew had a bad first half, but you got to give them credit. They've turned it around. No, they should always be at that level. They should not, they're, they're the referees. Judges aren't supposed to, judges aren't supposed to, like, yeah, he got that verdict wrong. Like, what? Well, that's, you know, what about, that's- okay. So, so, uh, you know, AJ Green, catches the ball, but he doesn't really make a football move and it gets dislodged. And it's like, okay, you're, there doesn't seem to be a call on the field, which is always a bad sign, right? I mean, this, this is what happened to the Saints on the pass interference against the Rams. The problem was both guys were like, it'd be awesome if you made this call. Like, you throw your flag. I'm not throwing my flag. Well, then I'm not throwing my flag. Well, then it's not pass interference. We can't get together and drop a flag now. We, we, so, so, we, no, we're like, they have to get together. There's no call on the field. Then it's like, okay, well, but not just that we're going to call it a catch and a fumble and it's going to be out of bounds. We're going to wander around and solicit opinions from, like, we're going to have a long, they're going to go to commercial. We're going to come back to commercial. And it's like, hey, guys, whichever way this call goes, the other team's going to drop the red flag. <laughs> I mean, it's such a huge play that the other team's going to challenge it and then we'll get an answer. So feel free just to make a call. L- let us go on with our lives. And, and, and that game, and again, nothing they did affected the outcome. Thank God. But, you know, I, I mean, I've seen so many chicken shit taunting penalties and I basically think you should be allowed to taunt guys. But when the guys uh, comatose, feel free to throw a flag when the guy stepping over him says, stay comatose. Hey, Stingley. Hey, Stingley, stay down. Like, what the fuck? Like, I was like, wow. And I don't think there should ever be taunting penalties. I was like, wow, that is not good. He's like, I didn't, I didn't know how bad he was hurt. You knew he was hurt. Here's the thing. We either like, I I, I'm on board. I think we both need to become more, it's God's will. I think that'll that'll liberate us a lot of a lot of the internal strife going on in our brain. Just like it's all God's will. That seems to work for a lot of well, people. Well, then we should all be taking the bucks. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, good God. I didn't say Goodell. I said God's will. Um, and uh, one and or two, we make officiating when the red challenge flag is dropped. We go American Idol style, and America gets to vote. That's I think one of those Look, would be fun. all your ideas come to fruition. We see everything. We see your overtime. 
I would love uh, to see um, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire uh, ask the audience pop up, you know, live, you know, before the super slow-mo. And that what's crazy about watching these games is you go on your couch, you go, that didn't look like roughing the passer. And then you're like, oh, you are absolutely right. 3,000 miles away, you, you know, and, and at this point, Derek Carr's barely in your screen anymore. You're like, that didn't look like roughing the passer. I, then- I, I, I don't want to continue it any further here, though. I'll let you go eat your sandwich. But the only thing I'll say is that that you've landed on a, a little thing that we look past. It's like, yeah, well, it's a little easier when you see it in an HD replay, what the call is. You're right. When you're watching it on TV, isn't the guy standing like 11 feet from the players? Like he has as good a view as I have on my TV and I in real time get it right. 95% once in a while be like, oh, in the replay, you do see the ball kind of like I thought he kind of got his hand under that one. Yeah, but like how often do you see a catch down field where it's like, oh, I don't I don't think his knee ever hit there. Like, oh, look at the his, he, his knee never did hit there. You, we see that in real time, too. So the excuse that is provided them is like, yeah, but it's easier on TV. Well, we, 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 in real time, we make the calls. And the thing they are incapable of doing. And I mean, again, this I, I, I they should let me come in and, and coach these guys up. But mm. they need to take a Hippocratic oath. First, do no harm. Right. So. Your goal should be to not be the reason a team wins or loses. So if you're Craig Rolstad, okay, let's say you don't call this gentle shoulder to hip contact roughing the passer. What's the outcome? Well, it's third and 10. It's third and 10. Brady's, con- Brady's converted a few third and 10s. Doesn't, doesn't swing the game. But when you go to that flag you know, now you're making a huge, now you're, now you're taking out an organ. Now you're like, I think we got, I think this liver needs removal. I'm making some big decisions in the, in the operating room. It's like, no, be gentle. Let re, you know, it's like why they say, let the play happen. Don't blow the whistle, especially if Joe Burrow's not out of bounds, but they, it's like a pathology. They can't help themselves. Like, like Rolstad must be reaching for that flag before the ball snapped. Like he must be so excited to be part of the action. I, I like, by the way, that you and I are Sophia Coppola and um, and what's his name? I can't think of uh, Andy Garcia in Godfather three and spaghetti is Pacino. You've just felt him. His face just said Pacino. He didn't overact it like Pacino did, but his face just said, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. That was spaghetti's face six minutes ago. wait, we're going back to the officiating now. I thought we were done with this crap. I want to talk about this hockey is, look, already. This is like climate change, the officiating crisis. Like we can, you know, maybe it maybe it makes people sad to talk about it, but it's urgent. Something Spaghetti, Spaghetti thinks it's fake news. He likes the officiating. No, so no, no. I think Hench has every right to just yell against him. And I, we talked about this uh, a little bit on waiver wire too with Jen, but it, I, I actually was shocked that the NFL for once took a little bit of like ownership and announced that like Jerome Boger and his crew were not going to do any more games the rest of the playoffs. Oh, like, they did. Yeah, they they said that. So I'm shocked that the NFL actually admitted fault to an extent because they never do that. Like I totally agree. There should be a there should be a five to ten minute. If players after and coaches after a loss have to get on the podium and talk at a conference, I don't get why you can't just have questions with the rest for ten minutes, being like, "Hey, you made this call. Why why was that?" Like I think it's totally fair. Well, that's got to well, be a it, gut punch to funny. your ego is to be is to be like, "Wait, I'm not good enough for this profession." Yeesh. Well, yeah. 
wow, the guy starting ahead of me has one opposable thumb. I must really suck. Um, the funny thing is, and Boger earned his suspension, but like so often when a crew gets called out, it's always the head guy. It's the guy whose name you know because he's on TV giving you the poop. But usually the call is the side judge, line judge blowing his whistle. Well, Boger's like, why, what, did I, what was I supposed to, I, all I did was make sure it didn't ruin the game. <laughs> Boger, Boger could have been like on that whistle, like, uh, all right, don't shoot the messenger, yeah. everybody. <laughs> I I asked, I couldn't believe he blew the whistle either, but let's being talk what about, it is, let's. let's. Let's talk about Carl. I think we all need to talk about Carl. It's funny that. Uh, How's I, Carl going to get better? This is an intervention yeah. and we're going to do it right now. So hold on. I please, can't remember his first name, but the, the the umpire that had a little bit of slow get off in the in the Cowboys Niners game. His last name's George. Like I, his name did make it into the report, which is good because usually you're like, I don't want to hear anymore about Hockley. Who's the back judge who ruined the game? Like you, these guys are anonymous. They're, they're, they don't, you know, so it's like, it's good if we start knowing like who are the actual members of the reference. Boy, that's team. a good, that's a good point. Like the Raiders secondary did exactly that. When anybody gets burned, one guy who's ever closest to the play always has to stop and look back at his, at his partner. And the, what, what I thought you, why weren't you there? I was, supposed to, have help. Doing that, like, I was supposed to have help inside. <laughs> Oh, you threw that flag? I didn't agree. Okay, well, it's on you. It's hey, everybody, take it up with George. You pick um, up, you pick up his flag and make a big show of returning it to him. <laughs> this, it's, this is this guy's flag. Here you go. <laughs> All right, the great Kevin Hedge, right. everybody, enjoy Best the division around. Prayers, prayer, thoughts, and prayers. <laughs> God's will. Just remember, it's God's will. All right, here we go. It's God's will also to hear more about the great sport of puck. Oh, I put those odds out there on Twitter the other day from the minus three handle, Eddie Spaghetti. You know what they are. It's going to be a juicy race to the finish just in that division. And boy, the abs here they come. Oh, there's a lot to talk about. Come puck. I'll let you take it away here. It's spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> Hello again, folks. Spaghetti and Meatballs. We are back. Mikey Meatballs here along with Eddie Spaghetti. And Meatballs is driving his car. He's back in sunny, warmer Southern California. Way warmer than uh, his native Long Island. And he's so committed to doing this podcast. He's doing it while driving. uh, So we can get some really good, spicy NHL talk in. Meatballs, what's up? Happy to be back in in L.A. yet or or no? Yeah, it's, uh, it's too warm out right now. It doesn't feel right. Uh, you're too busy to, wearing your uh, long sleeve sweatshirts and everything, probably. And uh, I was in New York. used to 15 degree weather just, you know, 24, 48 hours ago. Well, Got it's probably it's uh, a lot easier to play hockey outside of New York than it is uh, in Los Angeles right now. But uh, a lot of good, fun stuff to get into. All star game approaching, trade deadline approaching, which we'll get into. A couple uh, quick hitters here. Number one, uh, good job, Boston Bruins retired Willie O'Ree's number twenty-two, uh, first black player in the NHL. I personally have a, a soft spot for the Bruins when I went to school in Boston, which sounds weird as a Rangers fan. Why do you like? enjoy the Bruins. There's just something about those teams, like having Patrice Bergeron, who I feel like should be loved 
around the NHL, no matter who you root for. And uh, I, I love guys. You know, I, I root for the Rangers. Sean Avery was a Ranger for quite some time, made a lot of headlines. I feel like Brad Marchand, a, a, a way more skilled version of him. And a lot of people don't like Marchand. I actually kind of enjoy his game. So when those the Bruins won the Cup in 2011, like I was in Boston, I, I kind of was okay with them. Um, but anyway, back to what I was saying. Great job by them retiring his number 22. Love the uh, the uniform he wore. They have some of my favorite uniforms in hockey. Obviously, original six squad. So great job there. I don't know if you have any uh, any thoughts on that, but I just wanted to give them uh, some kudos. Although, unfortunately, I'm pretty sure they lost that game by a lot and Rask got pulled. Yeah. So, so not the best night uh, showing by the Bruins there. And I, I do also love the, the Marshawn now kind of uh, fight going back and forth with the Carolina Hurricanes. He's been trolling them on social media. That's uh, that's pretty funny there. Another thing I wanted to get into was, uh, and we talked about this last week, um, specifically with Connor McDavid and the ongoing drama with the Edmonton Oilers, this Leon Dreisaitl versus reporter kind of back and forth thing where, uh, you know, I understand the reporter trying to do his job, but it's it's a weird look when you're kind of prying into a player who's obviously not having the greatest time. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in Edmonton. Dreisaitl is one of the best players in the NHL, and you're kind of making him, you know, why be prickly with him? Like, he's he's he answered your question. He gave you a lame answer. First of all, hockey, like, everyone should know this. The hockey players just give you cliches. They give you the worst answers. They're the worst interviewers. Not everyone's a soundbite. Not everyone's going to be – like a Brad Marchand, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, or Ryan Reeves on the Rangers, you know, he's another good one. There are some good eggs, but for the most part, they're going to give you some, some boring answers here. And just, you keep prying into him. I don't understand that, but the bigger picture is here is like, it's just not going to get any better in Edmonton. I think we're pretty right about how they're going to have to make a major move somehow, some way soon. But meatballs, what are you, what are your thoughts on the whole dry sidle versus reporter uh, slash Edmonton Oilers uh, fiasco? Um, you know, I, I'm actually a little bit of the opposite of you. I thought it was, okay. uh, good on the reporter to, you know, kind of asking that stuff to pry into it. I, I think, you know, if you're, he's a popular reporter. I know I, I, from what I saw, not everyone, uh, seems to love him, but, um, he, uh, I think you got to do that sometimes with players. I mean, Edmonton sucks right now, so that's yeah. the bottom line. And I know Dry Settle probably there's no clear answer other than they just have to win games, um, and there's probably not much to elaborate on. But I, I think once in a while these guys need to be reminded by the reporters that they suck. So um, I think they're just waiting to bring in Evander Kane at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked by that. And I and I hear what you're saying too about uh you know holding them accountable. But, you know, unfortunately for the reporters for the media, it is in Drysidle's right to give these lame answers. Like he is sitting there, it's it's not fun after, you know, a loss after a long stretch of miserable play to have to answer questions about it. Like I always get the the cringe factor when you uh like you know in an NFL game or something when the team loses and the and the, the the one reporter gets the assignment to interview the the losing coach like we'll see that in the Super Bowl upcoming like hey, what what are your thoughts like how do you feel right now like we just lost like a huge game yeah like, no, that's kind of what it feels like for the for the Oilers constantly I, yeah I, I mean I think that's also like when you ask the, those types of questions it is it is boring it's like I mean how what do you think the guy's gonna say he's not gonna say oh I feel great after a loss or after a win he's not gonna say oh I feel terrible after that win like they're gonna give you the same answer but um when you when you've lost you know as many as you always have in the last you know 14 or 15 games 
Uh, I think Drysaddle maybe could elaborate on why they're losing, but the simple answer to fix all this is you just win your hockey games. You're right. And you, so to round this out, you think big picture, they're not going to move one of the two stars. You think the answer for now, at least the temporary, is to bring in Evander Kane? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know how much Brandon Evander Kane will do, but um, I don't think you can move either one of those guys uh, this year, this half year. I mean, it just doesn't. I you gotta you gotta just try to plow through. Maybe you get through. You know, if you get into the playoffs, then maybe you'll make some noise. Uh, things might turn around by then. But it, it, for me, it doesn't make any sense to trade those guys at this point of the year. Right. Well, speaking of them, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, both All-Stars. The All-Star game is coming up. The rosters have been announced. Um, uh, and I, you know, I want to get into the snubs. And I'm glad, number one, that Mika Zibanejad was voted in the last, uh, like, what was it called? The last man vote or last man standing in, whatever. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, he had to pass on to attend to some matters in Sweden. I think he probably has a, an event to DJ or something. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not sure what it is. But I'm glad he got voted in. But uh, and I know a few Rangers did make it. But I, I, I got to complain here. I got. I have a snub. And I have a, a major snub and a guy right now on Twitter after the great performance the Rangers had last night. The comeback win over the uh, the Maple Leafs, which by the way terrible job on my part for for trusting the maple Leafs for buying into them they kind of just remind me of what the capitals were years back where every year people would like oh the Capitals are going to be good like no like i'm not going to trust them until they actually win the stanley cup and and then now the capitals did and which is why i can give them some credit now but the leafs man like i don't know why i i picked them and i know austin matthews i believe is third in goals or tie for third in goals and he's going to play great as always and i know jack campbell's having a great season as well uh he's also an all-star but uh, I that that was a bad loss on the road for the against the Rangers. So I, I think I should amend my my Eastern Conference pick, and I, I guess I could do that at the you know maybe during the All Star break or something, the midway point to reassess. But anyway, back to my snub, uh, Igor Shesterkin, the goalie of the Rangers. I mean, the fact that he is not in the All Star game. Uh, you know, I understand the Frederick Anderson pick. That's fine. He's having a great season as well, but putting Tristan Jari in over Igor. And I know Igor missed some time, but he's a, he's ahead of Jari in uh, save percentage. He's ahead of Jari in goals against average. I know the, the giving up three goals last night kind of hurt his, uh, his average there a bit. Um, they're tied in shutouts with three apiece. And again, a lot of, you know, time split, uh, Shesterkin with Yorgiev and even Kincaid and like he missed a, a, a boatload of time there. I just, uh, he's arguably the Rangers, best player and i know it's in a year they're having a lot of good guys and i want to make this a rangers podcast rant thing here but i you got the all-stars are the best players you gotta put the best players in he's a guy right now that and again i've seen tweets today saying he should be in the heart mvp race because of what he means to this team and it's awesome going from henrik lunkas to igor and i'm just uh frankly i'm upset by it. i'm not expecting you to sing his praises as an islander fan but maybe if you have another snub uh please share no, I actually agree with you. I do think uh, Igor is their best player. Um, and he should be an all-star over, you know, Jari or Anderson, one of the two. I mean, I do agree. He should be in the heart conversation as well for the Rangers. So, wow. Wow. I don't have much if, I, I, yeah, if, I, if I was sitting up. next to you, if I was sitting next to you, I'd kiss you on the forehead. <laughs> he, I'm shocked. He's, he's legit. There's nothing else I have to, to add to that. I mean, he's he's a good goalie. Well, I, I do appreciate that, and and you know, it's uh, I, I feel bad for Igor, but I'm sure the rest of the guys in the team know how how much he means to them, and hopefully, 
What matters is maybe, uh, well, besides the Stanley Cup, is him getting a Vesna, maybe even in the heart uh, run here. So, um, but yeah, that, that stinks. I'd love to see him there. But uh, yeah, what can you do? But uh, anyway, we, uh, we let's give a couple of bets here. And uh, I think we were pretty good in our bets last week. A lot of good matchups again uh, Friday. Just looking at the, the schedule really quick. Even if just not even a betting stance, if you want to just watch some good games. Uh, obviously, Rangers uh, at Carolina should be a good one. Tampa at Anaheim, another good one there. So there's a, a lot of good ones to look through this weekend. Um, I think for my bets on Friday, I mean, your your Islanders, I don't know if you're going to give this one out, but they're hosting the the Coyotes. I actually kind of like the Islanders at home here to to beat up on uh, an Arizona. And I think it's going to be a bad weekend for Arizona. Going from West Coast to East Coast, you have games back-to-back. Um, going on Friday uh, versus, like I said, the Islanders, then Saturday at the Garden versus the Rangers. I just think it's going to be a tough, tough go uh, for the Coyotes. Uh, I don't see them getting a win. I would bet heavily against them uh, this weekend. Another one I like, too, I think Colorado at home versus a bad Montreal team. I know they just named a new GM. I think Colorado's going to beat up on them. And uh, be throw out a couple bets if you have any you want to you want to give. Yeah, I do agree with you with Arizona. Uh, even though Vimelka, I am a fan of his uh, in the Western Conference. He is a good goalie. So I like, I do like the under in the Islanders uh, Coyotes game when they play each other. Mm-hmm. Um, then they'll play back to back. They'll play Toronto at home. And I actually think, uh, I think they'll probably be an underdog, uh, but I like them to win outright. I think they'll beat a uh, soft Toronto team right now. And then. Uh, I also like your Rangers play Carolina tomorrow too, right? Yeah, really good matchup. I do. I think I like the under in that one as well. Yeah, it should be a really good tennis matchup. Obviously, I just took a bunch of this podcast talking about Igor and uh, Frederick Anderson, who's playing as well as anyone right now too. It's going to be a really, really good matchup. Um, another game too. Uh, I think if you want to get a little bit better odds, hopefully the Kraken are at home, but the St. Louis Blues are coming to town. And I do like the Blues in that one tomorrow as well to win on the road. So um, you have a lot of good, even team matchups this weekend. And for betting purposes, a lot of uh, ones I think could be pretty lopsided. Um, another one, too. I like Minnesota at home over Chicago if you want to lay uh, some the, the goal and a half there. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to get into. And um, it's just a, it's a great time. Uh, still a little upset over the Igor snub, but overall can't be too upset with uh, how many Rangers got into the the all-star game and the huge comeback win, I think really it's a, a season defining uh, moment for them. I think it's uh, it's a spark they needed. People weren't trusting them in the TNT broadcasting. They got to beat the good teams. They did just that. Uh, I am quite happy. And uh, you know, for you meatballs, uh, you know, it's still a long way away from the playoffs, but you know, it, it, it's all right. You guys had a, a nice time last year and, and that runs over with, but uh, well, the, I will say this, the trade deadline's coming up. Do you think there's going to be a big splash for the Islanders that's going to make a move and, you know, get someone in the fold to help them maybe get close to a playoff spot? Uh, I, you know, I don't. Right now, I'm going to say they maybe they'll add some depth somewhere or I don't see them going for a big big guy at this point. Uh, But I know, listen, they're. It's, it's doable. The playoffs are doable uh, for the Islanders. And if there's any team you know, in the last few years that's able to do it, it is them. So I'm still I'm still not completely out of it. Yeah, I, you're right. You're probably not. You're yeah, they, there's still a shot. 
Uh, I will say for the trade deadline, selfishly, I want to see Edmonton make a giant move and move one of the two uh, big name guys, Drysaddle or McDavid. Probably would be Drysaddle first, if, since McDavid's the captain. I just selfishly want to see a huge blockbuster. And then number two, unfortunately, Jack Eichel's going to miss another month or two. I'm still just dying to see Eichel suit up for the Vegas Knights. Like as much as I'm rooting for the Rangers, obviously, uh, I I want to see that team like at full go and see how good they could be. Um, so that would be that'd be something else. To, the Vegas is going to be a team that's going to, I think, wreck people uh, once they once they're fully healthy. But uh, so we'll keep our eye out for some big trades. Uh, we're excited for the All Star game to come up. A lot of good bets we gave out there. So listen, myself and Meatballs were pretty on the spot. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys next week for uh, more NHL talk. All right, great times there, Eddie Spaghetti. I, what can I tell you? We did it again. Two hours, something like that, hour and a half. Yeah, we're about an hour and a half. But you know what? Um, it's pertinent. It, it, it's, you know, we're captured. Hench, especially yelling at the refs, is, I think, is the voice of many Americans who are watching football. Just wanted a good weekend of football. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't think you could say wild card weekend, super wild card weekend was a good week of football. The two closest games to me were both uh, the big asterisk was, well, one game, a team had 14 penalties. The other game, obviously, the the phantom whistle. Did it affect the outcome in the pass play in the end zone? Who knows? So that's just not a good thing. Uh, and, you know, the NFL did take a little bit of accountability but not enough so let hench ran for 90 minutes it's fine all right then listen my foot my team's football season is over i can't wait for the playoffs to unfurl here but my eye my heart and my gut have now turned to the puck and uh and the and the round orange ball now so i'm looking forward to digging in deeper here as we move forward on minus three as football season comes to its climax we'll be here with you all the way make sure you're betting along with us fanduel.com slash minus three the word minus the number three for kevin hench eddie spaghetti and mikey meatballs and everybody at the extra points network thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven <laughs>